Welcome to Sorry Not Sorry, where we unapologetically talk about Christianity and culture from a Pentecostal perspective. Welcome to episode four of season two. Dom, good to see you, buddy. Jerry, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Doing all right. Uh, you, you and the family hanging in there with... A lot all going on. A lot is going I, yeah, on. Yeah, no kidding, huh? My goodness, but uh, but it's good to be here. I'm excited to talk about, I think, something that's important and applicable, and uh, I'm grateful uh, I'm grateful for the UVF community, to be yeah, honest with absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, community's just, a good thing. Oh, my it's, goodness. It's you, so sometimes important. Sometimes you don't realize how much it, it means until you, you don't have it, you know? It's unreal. You know, you spend years at a place, and you're grateful for so many things, and then you yeah. need something, and you make a phone call, and there's somebody on the other end who's empathetic and caring, and you're like, ooh. This is nice. That's right. This is good. Exactly. Thank you, Lord. You know what My I mean? People. Like people who love and care. And yeah. So thank you, UVF. Yeah, it's you know, true. So a lot of good things. It is so true. Well, hey, today we're talking about uh, a topic that doesn't get talked about a whole lot in the church, and it's uh, you know it's not particularly a a Pentecostal issue. Uh, it's a I mean it's a it's an issue that the New Testament deals with uh, in a number of places. But I do think um, uh, for those listeners who have uh, rightly critiqued us before for maybe getting off track of our, our focus on Pentecostalism, uh, I, I would say that Pentecostalism does have, a, I, I think, a unique contribution to this issue. Mm. Um, and so today we're talking about the, the, the reality and the problem of church discipline. Yeah, wow. Not something that's a, a hot topic among a lot of churches Not uh, here in America. Mm-mm. No, it's definitely, it's going to be difficult, honestly, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I so appreciate, as you and I have kind of discussed beforehand, I think the approach uh, the approach to this is going to be one of humility, uh, one it's hopefully going to be biblical, as hopefully all the conversations are, but in no way are we accusing—it's not accusatory. We're not accusing anybody of anything. We're honestly trying to look at the text and say, how should we proceed when mm-hmm. issues come up, whether it's with a parishioner, whether it's with a volunteer, whether it's pastoral staff, elder, overse- yep. overseer, like, yep. h- how do we— Go to the text and actually discipline those in different roles in our churches biblically. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is I I don't know that I've ever been in a church in America where there was public discipline of somebody in that church. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't. I don't know if you've seen it at any have, yeah. at any church. And I've. I've. You know, we've traveled around, visited a sure. lot of churches while we were missionaries. Uh, it's just not something that a lot of churches do in America. No. And yet, uh, in Africa, it's very common. Really? Oh yeah. Is it that the person gets up and acknowledges? Like I've seen people who give a testimony or acknowledge, like I've made a mistake, and it's kind of of their own free will they do it. Are you saying that the pastor's like calling them out, like brother so and so? Needs to get right. Yeah, like the latter. Like the pastor will will bring him up in front of the church and say, this is Sister So-and-so. She has been put on church discipline. And then there's this whole process that they have to go through for restoration. They, wow. Uh, you know, and until they're restored, they can't participate in the choir. They can't um, go on outreaches. They, they, um, they have to... I think a lot in a lot of churches they have to have regular meetings with the pastor or associate pastor, uh, and it's a very public thing. and And it's also it's a very beautiful thing. Yeah. Like it's not this shameful, sure. um, abusive, or um, uh, you well, that's know, a good community then. 
that's a loving yeah, community that's, that's coming right. around somebody because a lot of times people are just being chastised, called out, kicked out, and they're like, I'm, I'm done with church. But it sounds like these people are coming alongside and say, we're worried about the eternal consequences of what you're doing. We love you. That's we want right. to make sure that yeah. we, you're, you're whole, right? Yeah. The restoration side of things. That's right. And so I, I've thought about this a little bit in terms of like why that is, why we don't see church discipline mm. a whole lot in America, and yet in places like Africa— uh, among AG churches, which were started by AG missionaries right. in many cases, wow. um, they've taken a very um, different approach probably than what they were taught by the missionaries who, sure. who trained the, the initial set of pastors in that national church. Uh, and I think it all has to do with uh, sort of a community orientation versus mm-hmm. an individual orientation. You sure. Know? Somebody arrives and they participate an hour and 15 minutes a week, I'm probably not going to listen. I mean, I respect the pastor. I'm grateful for the leadership, but you're not able to speak into my life, whereas the people that I, I live alongside day in and day out, they're able to come and call me out, right? It, it, that right. tension is going to be very different. Yeah, That's interesting. So here's something I've been thinking about in the same vein of like, oftentimes, hopefully, we first want repentance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then rehabilitation, and then the next one's reinstatement, because yeah. I think oftentimes, especially when we're dealing with pastor or overseer, and we're going to get to kind of First Timothy, Matthew, James, we're going to look mm-hmm. at all these different passages. But one of the things that's always interesting to me, it's like the first thing the person has to do is repent. And we hope that no matter where they are in their life, they're willing to repent no matter what the issue or the situation was. Um, and then the next step is the humility to say, I need rehabilitation. And that could be it's really specific to the the, the context, mm-hmm. right? So one individual, like, again, we're not going to use names uh, specifically on this podcast because we decided that even though there was a, a quote-unquote moral failing that was rather public over the last few weeks, last, last few months, uh, just for the sake of what we're trying to do here, we don't want it to become about calling out any one person. There's a laundry list of individuals that you could bring up with a laundry list of issues. But let's say that somebody hypothetically had an issue with drinking, and that actually a few years ago, a pretty well-known pastor. So they repent, they go to literally rehab, like Mm -hmm. let's go to Teen Challenge, which is awesome. We've seen them go through the steps. We've seen the fruit in their life since that, and they're reinstated. Sometimes there seems like there's a tension between repentance and reinstatement, the rehabilitation seems to be lost. And I think what you're saying, that's what the mm-hmm. church steps in and guides yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Why is that being dropped sometimes? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I, well, I think the whole, um, a lot of this, this whole issue of discipline is avoided a lot of times mm. just because it's messy, you yeah, know? Yeah, my goodness. Um, it's complicated, it's messy. Um, but, but also, too, I, I think we lose sight of the fact that that church discipline is not just about the individual. It's certainly about the individual. Mm. It's also about the church. It's wow. about the whole church, and it's about um, the the way that that church is viewed by the outside world. You know, and it's you know Paul makes that statement um, in First um, uh, Corinthians five seven about uh, how sin works like like leaven. You know, and it can affect the whole right. lump, the whole lump of dough. You know, and 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 I think when we talk about discipline, that's the that's one of the the dominant pictures of the new in the New Testament of of why discipline is important, because it if we tolerate sin and if we tolerate uh, immorality in the church, then it encourages other people to to kind of go the same route and do the same things, uh, and and so it it's ultimately detrimental to the whole community, not just to that individual. See that that's. You're absolutely right, and I haven't really thought of it in those terms because usually we're, again, 
American, very individualistic. Yep. And I'm thinking this individual has an issue. Uh, we need to in some way come alongside them, guide them through that rehabilitation, and then hopefully reinstatement depending on where they are and what the issue is. I don't want to get too much into it, but there are certain things... This is going to be a tangent, and I apologize, but there is a difference between saying this individual sinned and this individual broke the law and the authorities need to be step in, right? I right, mean, sin right. is That's sin, right. That's right. but there, we're not talking about like, oh, no, 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 this is clearly they broke the law and the authorities need to be called. And there's, I'm talking yeah. about the <clears throat> idea in which if you had a nine to five at some company and you were a manager and you did this, you wouldn't get fired. Nobody would call you yeah, out. It's just right. part of life. That's we're right. saying these yeah. are things that we as believers consider as sins, and we're trying to come alongside and guide them in this. This is not yeah. protecting people that's right. with breaking the law, and we're and the kind of the weird thing that sometimes happens in certain traditions yep. we're not going to get into where this person made a mistake, let's just move them to another place, and that's just an atrocity, honestly, what's, right. what's happened in certain right. communities. Yeah. But we're more talking about like the person has a drinking problem, the person has moral failing, you know, extramarital right. affair, whatever. Yeah. If you were at another job, it's still sin, but your boss isn't going to come alongside you and say, hey, let's work through it, unless it's affecting your job. Right. But it's interesting the thought of it's not just the person, but it's affecting their sin in the camp. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a trip. I didn't Yeah, I, Yeah. And, huh. and I, I think also, you know, I think too, it's, and you were kind of, um, I think you just pointed this out, and I think this is worth sort of underscoring is this idea that when we when we're talking about church discipline it's not just simple it's not sin it's it's not because everybody would be on discipline of course. Of course. <laughs> you know but i think i think when you look at the cases in the new testament where church discipline is talked about and and when it's enacted and and when it's enforced and so on it's it's a it's like the willful um, rejection of sound teaching uh, and and the and sort of the the moral standards of the church, you know, it's not sort of it's not sort of issues related to spiritual maturity, you know, it's, right? It's not, hey, I'm struggling with this, I'm I'm trying to do better, but Absolutely. I it's still a struggle, it's still a, a a challenge in my life, you know, I'm still. The Lord's still working in my heart, or, or whatever. Like those aren't the things that are cause for for discipline. It's the right. things where somebody knows better uh, and does the opposite That's anyway. Good. That's good. Um, That's important. It is important. And so, um, I, I think you know one of the things that you know it's like I, I think there's a lot of sort of streams flowing into the whole issue of why we don't do this, and and one of them I think is. Um, either in the church, there's there's sort of those who are hyper judgmental, right? You know, who who just love to point out the faults of everybody else sure. and and never see any of their own. I mean, we've probably all known somebody in some church that that was like that. Uh, but then there's also sort of the opposite spectrum, and this uh, this is an idea I think that's becoming increasingly popular. This idea that, um, well, we're not supposed to judge people, you know. Sure. Uh, you know, that's that's this sort of very cultural uh, condition trend, I it think. Is. But like, so <clears throat> this, is a, this is a good place to land for a couple of minutes because I think that really is what's taking over. And what you've already said is important. It's for people that this isn't a sense that you're being discipled. You've come into a church. Even even you, I was reading First Timothy again, and it was talking about like it's, you know, the pastoral position or the overseer is not for a new believer, right? We're not mm -hmm. we're not talking about the person who literally 
went to a concert or went to a, a service and got saved and went home and dumped out all their alcohol. And then three weeks later, they went to a bar and had a drink and they felt bad and they called their discipleship pastor and they're working yeah. through it. Like that person is working it out through fear and trembling. They're trying. They need to hopefully deal with some things, maybe get some counseling. Yep. Yep. But we're talking about the person who's been in the church for 20 years, right. who knows better, who's who's leading small groups, who who's somewhat hypocritical in that yeah. they're proclaiming holiness, yep. but they themselves aren't. And then... Yep. The people are like, well, who am I to judge? And it's like, well, I think the scriptures point yeah. out pretty clearly yeah. there's actually a criteria yeah. Yeah. of if you want to be an overseer or a deacon, these are the things that yeah. you have to adhere to. And, and the, people, that's right. Yeah. And people will often, you know, they'll quote Matthew 7, you know, which which they'll, they'll quote the first part of that verse, you know, do not judge so that you will not be judged, period. And they'll stop sure. there. Uh, and, and often I, I, when I hear people quote that, it's usually... Uh, in the context of, well, we all have our own issues, you know, so don't judge that person. That's just their issue. Uh, it's, you know, it's God's job sure. to judge them. Right. Uh, it's your job to love them. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's I think, an increasingly common idea. But, but the rest of that verse actually says, um, you know, uh, it goes on to say, by the you will be judged, and by this, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Um, and then later on, Jesus says, "You know, first take the speck out of your brother's eye. Out of or excuse me, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see the speck in your brother's eye." And so, it's the whole passage is not saying don't judge; it's saying judge rightly. There you go. Judge. Judge others only after you've engaged in introspection exactly. and self-examination um, and acknowledged your own shortcomings, uh, and then absolutely you have to judge. We, we all have to make judgments all the time uh, about—and and Paul, over and over again in the New Testament, um, calls upon the church to, um, you know, expel those who are not holding on to sound doctrine and— well, and this and this runs flies right in the face of kind of the seeker sensitive thing, right? I mean, I, I think what you just said is important in that hopefully our pastors, our overseers, our elders, and our volunteers, our deacons, whatever church structure some person or a church appropriates, that those people have already done a self assessment, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. there isn't the hypocrisy right. of pastor so and so is getting up and saying this person's sinning and this 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 is, and you come to find out that. Lord knows what they're doing behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. That's the issue that I think Christ is talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The pastor, or not just pastor, but the individual has the log in their eye, yeah. and they're judging the speck. It doesn't mean you can't call out the speck. It just means that you need to hopefully yeah. be self-aware enough and not hypocritical right. that you're dealing with yourself. And I think that hopefully all of us have discernment, and this is a, a Pentecostal, have the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us discernment and have the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to tell us, no, 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 this is wrong. We need to obviously be we need to seek holiness in this way. That's right. But it doesn't mean we can't step into our community. So again, this is this is an odd topic. I know that our listeners are probably going, why are they going here? <laughs> but to be honest with you, Jerry, this is something that I think is so important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's being lost. And yeah, I, I agree. And and I hate to say it, I'm kind of one of like, don't judge, right? I kind of want to like, don't, 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 don't mess with me. I won't yeah, mess yeah. with you. We're all in it together, right? We love Jesus. We love it. Rock and roll. But like, you, you know, well, just, hey, don't hurt anybody, right? right? It's kind of like, yeah, right. you know, just as long you as nobody you, gets it, you do you, yeah. you live your truth, I live my that's truth, right. and it's all Jesus. But but at the end of the day, I'm looking at these churches, I'm looking at these wonderful ministers, and I, I think of the 80s, especially in the assemblies, you know, there were a couple of rather large falls. I think of some very well-known pastors over the years who have yeah. wonderful congregations. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's alcoholism, sometimes it's uh, sexual immorality, sometimes it's just a demonstrative personality who's like suppressive, and the church is like, we can't have this leadership. So it's not always one thing, mm-hmm. but you go... 
these people were instituting church discipline. How were they not? Yeah. That's yeah. what's so weird is a lot of these churches are pretty solid. Yeah. And, and, right. I, and it's almost like I've heard that there was discipline for mm. the parishioner, for the congregant. Mm-hmm. But it, it it wasn't coming back to the pastor. Yeah, yeah. How 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 does a church? How does a pastor, especially someone like yourself, who's been in ministry, pastoral ministry, missions specifically, what kind of infrastructure can a church create to make sure that the pastor has accountability, not just the pastor is accountability? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and uh, and I think it it all has to do with, um, you know, the this. This whole idea of the priesthood of believers, mm, uh, and so the, and this idea that you on that, man. that you know the the pastor is not king. That's it. <laughs> you know he's he's he has a certain gifting within Absolutely. the church Absolutely. to perform certain functions in the church, but that doesn't elevate him above the rest of the congregation, him or her above Ooh. the the. <laughs> that'll be an episode. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be an episode. Future episodes, uh, but um, but the the whole idea that. Um, that that people need the need to have um, the freedom to speak into mm-hmm. anybody's life when when there's an issue and and we have to I think we have to function at a level in which nobody is beyond critique um, and and I mean are there boundaries for that absolutely I think and of and course. I think that's a you know that's part of the responsibility of a, a deacon board you know or a group of elders in a church whatever your church however it's structured. Right is that those people are in place to keep the pastoral staff accountable. Exactly. Uh, and they are the ones who are primarily entrusted to to um, make sure that the, the pastor is living the, the kind of life that he's telling everyone else to live and that exactly. he's preaching about on Sunday morning. And I think that's very important, right? A lot of times there's been some debate over elder, right? Mm-hmm. But it does seem like, spe- specifically First Timothy, overseer. So it does feel like there is that overseer, but it feels like there's a board of elders. Like there, there's a yeah. group of yeah. men, yep. maybe, but there's a group of men usually <laughs> yeah. that are working together to oversee the church. Now, there might be that senior pastor, that one person who kind of steps out, who has that more speaking role. But hopefully, I think if you have that group, that local, I've heard it as a local eldership, and then sometimes the individual might need apostolic eldership, and it's another covering from people they trust at other in other communities. So let's say that you and I are really close, and Tim, and I've got local people in my life who are keeping me accountable, but I also have a pastor in Cincinnati and a pastor in LA and a pastor who I'm close with who are still that keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like two levels where there's the people that know me day in and day out, yeah, right? But at the same right. time, am I going to go to the person I'm working with if I tell them I'm falling in this way? It could get me fired. Mm-hmm. I might need another level that I can go up and be like, hey, I need you guys to pray about this because I'm feeling uncomfortable. And it may not directly affect my job. That's the thing that's concerning to me. Oh, I'm going to go here, Jerry. Go go for it, man. Do it. If we weren't getting paid, <laughs> would we be honest? That's a good question. I think for many of our pastors, the answer is yes. And I think there's some amazing pastors out there who have done the right thing and have stepped mm-hmm. up and said, I've made a mistake. And I, and I want uh, the Lord is more important than a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But I got to be honest, sometimes I'm concerned. And that's all of us, though. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about myself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. choices we make, oftentimes it's like, this is my livelihood. It's not yeah. just, it's yeah. not that I'm just living out the call of God. Yep. Yep. I, this is this is like my family. This is my rent. This is like food on the table. Mm-hmm. If I tell you that I made this mistake or yeah. I had this drink yeah. or I spent time with this person or whatever, yeah. it's not just going to destroy my ministry. It's going to destroy my life. Yeah. Well, I, I actually witnessed a, an incident once where there was a, a pastor who refused to call out something that needed to be called out in the in the church. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, a, um, it wasn't, 
you know, a sexual sin. It, it, it wasn't anything quite like that. It, it wasn't, I mean, it, 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 but it also shouldn't have been tolerated. It, it was sure. something that, that clearly, I think, was a violation of, of what Christian community is about. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pastor sort of wiggled his way out of it because um, the person who was accused was a very good evangelist. He was bringing a lot of people into the church. Mm. Uh, oh, and, wow. and, and so, uh, you know, the, the pastor came to his defense, you know, well, this guy does. And, and, you know, he, he brings in a lot of people. He, this guy's an evangelist. He's, you know, there's, you know, 20, 30 people sure. that come to this church oh, because yeah. of this guy. And, and I think that gets back to the finance issue. You know, it does become, um, uh, sometimes it gets fuzzy, <laughs> when you're concerned about your livelihood. And and absolutely and I've heard those kind of stories with elders and with 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 tithe, you know big tithers and there's a lot of stories like this out there where pastors in a sense it seems like maybe the church discipline that should have come down didn't because this person the position is important as well as the monetary. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The church isn't alone in this. The NFL yeah. does this. Yeah. Hollywood does it. Absolutely. Everybody does it. The and maybe that's always, the problem. Is... But that, is, that was my point. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, is it's like, well, the church is horrible. It's like, no, the world's horrible. Yeah. Businesses are horrible. Yeah. You, right now you could go on the, the NFL. the problem is, is that we look too much like the and world. that's the issue. Yeah. The enabling becomes really problematic because you look at the NFL or, or any sports you know, uh, organization and, and you literally see somebody and you're going, that person's still playing. It's like, I know, but they're an MVP. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. uh, they're going to win championships. And it's like, that's problematic. Okay, it's the world, it's money. They were able to reconcile whatever it is. And they're not up to the same moral standard, but the church can't look like everybody That's else. right. And any time that success becomes more important than integrity, mm. we, we've, mm. we've already lost the possibility of success and our integrity to boot. Exactly. You know? And it's going to affect the community, as you said. That's right. It's not just going to be that one individual who's sinning. It will... Again, we're not going to talk specifically names, but someone I actually really, really respected. And I'd read some of his leadership books. His church was well known. Yeah, he was like yeah. the New York Times thing came down, and I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. and in a sense, I wasn't. I wasn't part of his church, but kind of you know the five levels of like yeah, yeah, leadership. Yeah, yeah. It was the pinnacle <laughs> right, one, right? right? Like right. He, there's no question I'd been influenced by it, and it, it took me a second. It didn't affect my walk, but it, I had to pause, and I'm thinking. Yeah people that have been in this ministry for how many years? Oh, yeah. What is this going to do to them? And also the victims, I'm not trying to in any way negate the, 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 what, the reality of those immediately affected by it, but I'm saying that it's not just those individuals, which is the first thing that the church should focus on are those individuals, but even the parishioner that had no idea is going to be affected. And like you're saying, church discipline is not just for the individual, it is for the community at large. That yeah. I think is, 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 has to be on the forefront of everybody's mind when it's time to do Matthew 18 and sit down and go one-on-one, community, like the walk yeah, it through. It's yeah. not just for that person, but it's us collectively to be able to do God's will. Yeah, and, and kind of getting to the issue of, of how this relates to Pentecostalism is I, I think, you know, when you look at our Wesleyan holiness roots— mm. You know, holiness, baby. it's that holiness thing. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> holiness was was seen as essential to the 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 accomplishing of the mission. You know, yeah. that, that oh, I'm if, absolutely in agreement with if, that. If, <laughs> if we're gonna essential. if we're gonna operate in the the things of the spirit, if we're gonna yeah. um, be effective in the things that God has called us to do, to do that, we have to come. We have to be sep- not 
we have to come out of the world and even though we remain in the world oh yeah you know uh we we have to be separate we have to not walk in the ways of the world we we have to live lives that are radically different and and i i think I, I would include myself in this. You know, for many of us, our lives don't look a whole lot different than than unbelievers. Jerry, you hit the nail on the head. This honestly should become about holiness. Yeah, it's church discipline. It really, it really but is. But really, we should be talking about holiness. We yeah. should talk about getting back to holiness. I mean, That's I right. was I was listening to J.I. Piper, um, J.I. Packer, excuse me, and uh, Piper was interviewing <laughs> Packer. Might as well, right? You That's know, right. all the good reform guys, and, and Packer is just talking about the Puritans. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, like fighting back tears, like, oh yeah. Lord, forgive me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Piper's talking about Edwards, I'm like, Lord, forgive me. I mean, just the holiness, like, yeah. like what am I doing? I mean, I feel good because, like, yeah, I didn't watch that Netflix movie, right? Like, like, like right. that. The, I, oh, I checked my my holiness thing. Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna watch that. Like, are you kidding me? The way these people would fast and pray and be in the Word, and they would just shun the very appearance of evil. The stuff that we're looking. I mean, I'm 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 projecting right now. Okay, this yeah, is yeah, not for our. Right. Might as well let's just turn off the camera so you and I could talk <laughs> because this is. I'm yeah. pro- I mean, seriously, it's it gets to the point yeah. where our churches need to get back to preaching holiness. And the reality, like you're saying, is mm-hmm. well, I can't judge the scriptures saying seek holiness, and if they're yeah. not seeking holiness, that's not judgmental. That's Be just speaking truth. I'm holy, yeah, that's it. That's right. I mean, that's yeah. got to be the verse. Now, if there's an issue, we need to understand the system to hopefully work somebody through it to hopefully get them reinstated. But man, I wasn't even thinking that. I couldn't agree more. As a Pentecostal, coming out of the the Pentecostal holiness movement into Methodism, into holiness, into PH, Mm -hmm. ultimately finished work heresy of the Assemblies of God, (laughs) (laughs) into us now, right? That's for some of our audience. Um, That's it. That's who we are. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't discuss church discipline. But maybe as a community, we really need to seek holiness. And I know that just sounds so trite and like how many times have I heard this? Mm-hmm. But maybe that's ultimately the issue. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And and I wow. and I think you know, I think maybe the reason we struggle with that is because we have so few role models mm. uh, today. You know, yeah. there's so so few people in our churches who really embody that. You know, I mean when I think about the most impactful mentors I've had in my life, they were people who were deeply spiritual, who walked the walk and talked the talk. I mean, it was they were the real deal, uh, and and they lived um, in a way that that just um, exuded Jesus, uh, and okay. and you know, um, just being around some of these guys just made me want to press into Jesus a little bit more. I got a story for you. Sorry. We don't have time. Yeah. So years ago, so my, my, I'll tell you two things quickly. So years ago, I remember, uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a, a wonderful organization called Project Rescue. David yeah, and Beth Grant yeah. oversee it, and they are dear family friends. I grew up, David and Beth, at mom and dad's table. So I'm like 16 years old. I'm in church. I'm living, not right. Mm-hmm. And literally, David preaches at Trinity. And it's worship afterwards, and we're singing, and he comes down next to me, and he puts his hands on me, and he starts praying for me. I start weeping. Hmm. Now, it could have been that it's David Grant next to me, but I think it was the Holy Spirit moving in him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it absolutely was affecting me, and that that's Pentecostal right yeah, there. Yeah, the Spirit right. of God, the that's Holy right. Spirit is convicting yeah. me. It's, this, it's that old Smith Wigglesworth walk into rooms and people start weeping because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Now, we still need church discipline, but we need that power. And it comes yeah. from holiness. That's right. And maybe that's 
um, kind of digging a little deeper, maybe that's the real issue mm. is that we've become content with the manner of church that we have, uh, and we've we've lost sight of, of the, the even greater presence and power of the Holy Spirit that, that can attend our services and can build up the body of Christ so that we can be sent out into the world in effective missions um, that we— because we've become content, though, um, we don't do things like discipline, and we don't pursue holiness, um, and we think we're trucking along just fine exactly. without realizing that there's a whole lot more resources available to us if we would press into that. Yeah. As, as, we're, as we're moving forward, obviously, we're talking about holiness. We're, we're talking about church discipline. I'd love to take just five minutes because I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to take too much of, of our time. But I'd love to just really quickly talk about James 3 mm-hmm. and what it means to be a teacher, and then just First Timothy and and the criteria that's there. Because I feel like if people were understanding the weight of what it means to be a teacher, and they actually were to look at First Timothy and all that it requires to teach, maybe we wouldn't have such issues in the pastoral role. Not always, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like there are certain people that aren't sober-minded, they're not self-controlled, they're not respectful, they're not hospitable, they're mm-hmm. not able to teach, they're not drunkards, they're not, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I haven't, shame on me, I haven't read that in a while. I couldn't believe what a laundry list it was. Yeah. I was like, yeah. who can do this? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. kind of an outrageous list. And the list. answer is nobody. Nobody. <laughs> we all need Jesus, Apart right? from the Holy, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Exactly. You know? But what what can we say, especially, let's talk to our young people, because obviously you're overseeing MLT. And you're with wonderful young people who are being built up to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. What are things that they can do to hopefully prepare themselves for all the garbage that's going to come yeah, their way? The attacks, yeah. not only the spiritual attacks, but just life itself yeah. and the weight that's upon them. What, what can they do, hopefully, to make sure there's accountability for themselves, but also institute church discipline for their churches? Yeah, that's a big one. That's um, a class. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, I, I think... You know, I think it's it just goes back to what you said, you know. I mean, the, you have to have people in your life who have permission to speak into your life, you right. know. I mean, you just ha- you have to have those people, whether it's your spouse or whether it's your um, your best friend or, you know, your coworkers or, or whoever, but people who who can call you out uh, and who who you're willing to listen to. And even I think we have to have such a teachable spirit mm. That even the worst criticism that we get, and and the worst criticism that's leveled against us, that we're willing to say, hey, is there a nugget of truth in this? Yeah, even good. if it hurts, you know, right. um, because it's better that that I deal with this, uh, even though it's painful, than have it derail my ministry five or ten years from now. And that and that's something you know. I think back on just friendships, not even people in ministry, but seeing patterns early on with mm-hmm. friends. I'm 35 now, and I think of looking back at things in our early 20s, and certain things like hiccups here and there, and people were able to get control of it. And those individuals were those little sins, those little things early on kind of grew and just be really, really problematic, and I mm-hmm. cannot imagine standing before a congregation. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I didn't finish seminary, to be honest with you, as mm-hmm. I just was like, I, I can't imagine the weight of standing before these people, not only saying I think I can speak for God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which I think is kind of a big deal, but also saying... I'm an example of the holiness and righteousness. Like, that's what you are. Mm-hmm. You're a sign act. Mm-hmm. It's like the prophet. Like, you're speaking for God, and you're hopefully an example for how they should live. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. It's that's overwhelming, right. Jerry. It is, it is. The it's, weight of that. It, it is. And and if you, um, if you don't have a deep relationship and walk with the Lord, mm. you're not going to make it. I no. mean, it's, it, it's, it all comes down to that. And 
And that's, I mean, that's the essence of holiness. It's mm-hmm. intimacy with Jesus, you know? And the, the greater that intimacy is, not only are we more effective in, in the things he's called us to do, um, but, but we, we um, uh, just become more radiant with his love and with his mercy and his compassion for others who are hurting. Uh, and not everything that's thrown our way sticks to us, you know? Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I, and I think that's a crucial skill for pe- for people in ministry uh, is is to be, you know, a bit Teflon. Right. No. <laughs> in, in a sense, know? right, have discernment and realize that yeah. people are going to make comments, people are going to criticize, you know, like that, that great story you're saying the two Christians are leaving and one says, oh, man, that was terrible. And he's like, oh, good, we weren't worshiping you. Right? Yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah. there's going yeah. to be that criticism. Right. But, but also having, a, like you said, a teachable enough spirit to realize, ooh, that person, you, you might know the issues in their lives, you might know that they complain about everything, but the Holy Spirit's letting you know. Yeah, right. You feel right. that little, ooh, that's why that's that one right. hurt. Yep. The, the 10 things they said prior you didn't care about, but that one, ooh, that spoke to you, and you yep. knew, okay, there's something there, and we yep. need to deal with that that's quickly. Right. And yep. hopefully, like you said, have that accountability. So real quick, let me ask this, and this one's tough. For those individuals who have been a part of churches, and they've seen pastors or volunteers, uh, or even let's say that they've read books by pastor so-and-so, or they've seen them at a conference, and now their their faith is somewhat shaken. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times we put a lot of stock in these individuals, and I don't mm-hmm. want to use the term celebrity pastor, though I did, but it does become a little bit of an issue. What would you say for those individuals, not just for—because we kind of spoke to pastors. What about parishioners that they're not in sin? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they're, in, they're sinners, but they're, they're not in some habitual mm-hmm. sin that needs some sort of yeah. discipline. They're just part of a congregation and kind of they're kind of a victim just by virtue of the, being a part of this community— mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Like, what are ways in which people can overcome that kind of hurt? Because that's yeah. a deep hurt. It is. It is. And and I think on one side of that equation, those of us who feel called to ministry have to realize um, the importance uh, and the significance of our calling, mm. uh, and the the importance of holiness in relation to that calling. You know, my my father rejected Christianity his whole life because. Um, because he saw his, his own father as a hypocrite. You know, his, his own father was somebody who read his Bible every day mm-hmm. uh, and yet treated him like absolute dirt, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he said, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. And, yeah, well, it makes sense, though. Yeah, and, and I think some, something similar sometimes happens when leaders fall, you right. know? And, I, I, you know, you sometimes hear people say, well, you know, don't follow man, follow God. I think that's not quite biblical because Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That all of us need good godly examples. Right. We we need fathers in the in the faith who who can and mothers in the faith who can show us what it looks like to live out a vibrant faith, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and and so um we do need spiritual mentors. We do need um uh spiritual parents. Uh, but when somebody falls, um, I think, one, we need to have grace for them, just like uh, God has grace for us oh, when so we fall goodness. every single day. That's right. Um, and we need to pray for their restoration, hmm. you know. And and we also have to realize that, that the truth of Christianity is, is, is not—the truthfulness of Christianity hangs on the resurrection. That's right. 
ultimately. It hangs on whether or not Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead uh, and ascended to heaven uh, and is coming again to judge the world. And, and he is, and there's a lot of historical evidence to support that idea. And so if somebody falls from ministry, don't let it, it unhinge your whole faith, because um, even though mentors and spiritual leaders are important, um, the truthfulness of Christianity doesn't hang on their behavior. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I I remember, I mean, I must have been like 10 or, I mean, I was young, 10, 11, 12, something like that. And I remember my mother sitting me down and she's like, it was, it was wild. And she said something to the effect of, just so you know, everyone's going to let you down but Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing is my parents never let me down. I was very blessed, very mm. blessed by wonderful godly parents that have always been there. And, and I thank the Lord for that. But it was kind of profound as a young kid. Like she was saying, like, always look to Jesus. Now, also the reality is, is that, like you said, I had strong spirit, biological parents, but also mm-hmm. spiritual parents. And there are many people I can point to who have meant a great deal to me. But I think like you're saying, if we have great spiritual parents that co- constantly point us back to Jesus mm-hmm. and say that that's, that's the only person who will never truly let us down, then there will always be hurt. I mean, you could have a friend that isn't even a believer and you mm-hmm. hear that there's a mistake mm-hmm. and it's going to hurt, of course. Yeah. How much more for the person yeah. that you're looking at this yeah. in this specific role? But uh, I just, I feel like we... We need to constantly be promoting the priesthood of all believers, as you said. Mm-hmm. We need to be supporting our pastors and loving them. Yep. And I think that's the other thing, right, is that our pastors have all this weight, and they have yeah. all this pressure, and they have a lot yep. of spiritual attacks. That's right. And they yep. need us as the community not just to be saying, oh, we're ready for your spiritual discipline, but like, no, no, we're here to actually help you. We're going to yeah. be Aaron. That's right. And we're going to help hold you hold up the staff. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. that's our job sometimes, too, yep. is to make sure we're there for them that's right. and not just be so accusatory. If they're sin, it's one thing. But yeah, also understand right. that we need to be there for them. We and, need uh, to. Be, that's that's a, such a huge point that we need to be speaking life and hope and encouragement uh, into the 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 staff of our churches and oh into the people that that do ministry uh, and that I mean technically we all do ministry, but but, but the vo- people vocational that, we still believe yeah, in yeah. vocational ministry. I know some people think that that's kind of you know yeah. ceased, but you know yeah. Um, but yeah, those those who who are the leaders in the church, yes. uh, they. They are the ones who are are um, uh, they do they they carry a lot of weight for for the the spiritual uh, and eternal matters of their whole congregation you know and and we have to be a source of encouragement to them that's a such a huge point so thank you so much I mean it's it's really really helpful again we have so much going on in the world uh, and it does feel somewhat strange to take the time to do this because it is not a uh, it's not an uplifting or exciting topic mm-hmm. but the thing that I I appreciate is that. Uh, what, what you've articulated is yeah, there is we see a precedent in Scripture. We can go to Matthew 18. We can go to James 3. We can go to 1 Timothy. We can see what the Bible is teaching us. But at the end of the day, what you said is so true. It's holiness. That's right. That's right. It's really about our yeah. communities. It's This is ultimately the symptom. The mm-hmm. disease is sin. That's right. And we all That's jump right. all over everybody, yeah. which is fine. And I understand there's a place for discipline, and it's, I think it's biblical. But really the root of the problem is sin. And it's about saying we need to preach holiness and accountability, mm-hmm. but we got to get back to preaching holiness in our churches. And if we do that, then Lord willing, we'll be able to not see as many spiritual falls, especially from those that uh, really are so hot. I mean, I, I can't. I just I, I don't want to get into it, but I I, I cannot imagine the, the the weight that I mean, I can't imagine being a pastor of any church. Yeah. But the national recognition some of these individuals oh, yeah. get, the pressure, yeah. Oh, yeah. everything. They need their communities yeah, to be around right. them and um 
And I yep. just, as you said, we pray for them, and we and we hope that there's some sort of reconciliation, uh, and and hopefully in some form of reinstatement, if it's appropriate. If it's not, and and, and there's some sort of legal action yeah. needs, that's a different story. We're not really dealing with that today. But in this case, yeah. hopefully there's some sort of reinstatement. Yeah, and I, I would just sort of close with this, is that I, I when we talk about church discipline, you know, um, the, the whole idea of bringing somebody before the church, which almost never happens here in America, but which is a biblical part of the process, but really that should be the last part of the process. Like mm. like right before kicking somebody out of the church, if if everything else has failed, but but the beginning of that process should look something like me going to a brother or you going to a brother sure. or a sister and saying, hey, you know what? Like, uh, I notice you, you're, you're, the way you talk about so-and-so isn't um, really healthy. It's not, you know, it's kind of gossipy or, or whatever. And, you know, maybe that's not the best, best way to go about that. Or, you know, and if that doesn't work, go with an, a friend and, and somebody who can, you know, two or three witnesses so that, so that the person can be confronted by more than one person and then still, if that if that's ineffective, then they're brought before the congregation. Mm. And if they continue, then they're they're kicked out of the church. Although the whole point of all of it, though, is to bring them back into the grace and mercy of God and bring them back to a recognition that that God is radically for them. So, do you th- still think there's a place for excommunication, if you will, in the I, church? I, I do. I mean, I think it's a a New Testament principle that yeah. there there are times when the best thing that you can do to somebody is is take them out of the community, and I I think that's why I think that's why discipline is so effective in Africa because community is so important. There you go, and nobody wants to lose it. it you know, nobody wants to lose it. That's the problem. And, and here, people attend for the again the hour fifteen minute. You kick me out. Oh, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm out of here. Yeah, I'll but go. To this the is my family. Like if yeah. my my, my wife, my children, yeah. my parents, my friends came along and said, we're not going to let you come and visit. I mean, it would be yeah. the end of the world. Yeah, that's, that's right. a great point. Yeah. So Wow. Okay. But, Thank you. But it's a, I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface on this this issue, but hopefully this will spark some discussions yeah. and, and um, encourage people to pray for their pastors, pray yes. for your pastoral staff. Please. Uh, and pray for each other, uh, and to um, when there's there's sin in the church and there's behavior in the church that's not fitting of a Christian community, uh, we just would encourage people to address it and not not let it go um, unaddressed, uh, not to ignore it because it's eventually gonna um, become a bigger problem than it is. That's it, Jerry. Thank you so much. I appreciate hey, your time. Thank you, friend. Always good to see you. Good to see you, boss. All right, we'll catch you next time.